0: Oh, here we go, Mark. Off be, again with you. Mark Mark yeah, yeah. So you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt?
1: welcome everybody this is the reality czars podcast and i'm your only host tonight nate Tony's fucking at work i think probably and i'm talking to the great mark steves uh thanks man for coming on i think this is i'm probably gonna release this on halloween as well i've got another one so i think i'm probably gonna do double duty so this will be a, a second halloween special as well man so thank you for coming on dude
0: yeah, I appreciate it. And this is why we do it on StreamYard. I love your intro there, dude. Very cool. I'm glad we did this on StreamYard and not Zoom. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh I think the reason I reached out, I was like, dude, Let's do a show together. You've been kicking ass with Reality Czars. Shout out to Tony. I know Nate's been grinding, putting in a lot of work. So it's a pleasure to be here on your show, man. I I always like to see that. As a podcaster who works pretty hard, I love to see when uh, other podcasters are are doing the same. You know, like attracts like, uh, real respects real, or whatever that saying is. (laughs) Real recognize real. That's what it is. (laughs) Cheers, brother. Cheers. What are you drinking over there? Nothing fun, just orange juice and water. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm a stoner. I, I do drink uh, a specific type of IPA that I like. That's a local beer. So I'm. A, What's I'm a, your go
1: to? What's your local go to? So
0: my local go to for all the Connecticut people uh, is by Heavyweight Brewing, and the beer is called Headway. Uh, heavyweight is the is the brewery they're out of Hamden and I don't know what it was I think I think it was like my cousin or something sat me down and was like you know what kind of beer do you like and I was like I don't know and he's like well try this try this try this and he helped me figure out that I like east coast IPAs and I like them mostly because they're 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 tasty and I only need one or two and I'm good I'm not like a Bud Light drinker who's crushing a whole you know 30 rack or something like that's never been my style, so, so I'm more of a nerd.
1: 20s, man. I'm more of a nerd with my beer, to be honest, but I got my preferences, you know? We got some pretty fucking good shit out here in Oregon, dude. We mm. take a lot of pride in our fucking microbrewing. brewing There's I some bet. fucking killer IPAs. I should probably send you some fucking beer. I bet, yeah, I'm down. There's I, uh... some local beer out here from, I think it's from Boneyard, and they're doing like a cryptid series of fucking beers. I should fucking send you a six pack. Let's do a
0: trade, fun. bro. I'll send you my yeah. favorite, you know. I don't know I don't know enough people that appreciate headway. So if you like it, then maybe I'll have a uh, another brother with the counterweight there counterweight is did I say heavyweight counterweight is the name of the the brewery so anyways
1: yes uh you gotta get a sponsorship from them we <laughs> are sending you a six-pack every episode
0: yeah oh man it's funny you know we're gonna talk about Skull and Bones in New Haven today uh that brewery isn't in New Haven but uh when I was a part of this fraternity not Skull and Bones I promise I've never been a part of Skull and Bones but I was a part Mark. of <laughs>
1: Boy, I'm trying to picture it right well, now. Well,
0: it's it's a, it's a weird way that I got into this. So after high school, I went to community college, right? And community college sucked. It was like high school all over again. And I dropped out, and I became a Chinese food delivery guy because that's the job I had, and I could smoke weed and, on on the job and my boss was you know not uh american enough to really understand that that was illegal so i got away with a lot at a young <laughs> age and like
1: uh a racist comment of, like you look more and more like your boss
0: <laughs> trust me i could do some impressions i don't think we need to go there right <laughs> now but my boss he was a good guy shout out to benny Zhang. um uh, i was working at this for, uh this Chinese food delivery place. Just, you know, like not really sure what I was going to do with my life. And this buddy of mine, the first conspiracy theorist I'd ever met in life, this kid was showing me Loose Change, a documentary in middle school, like in middle school computer class. He's like, bro, check this out. 9-11 was an inside job. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of thought it was, but whoa, okay. Other people think like this too. So, so yeah, that was the first thing for me. But then anyways, so Mike comes in and he's like, Hey, you should join this uh, fraternity. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I don't go to school. I'm not, I'm not in a school. I'm not going to be a part of a fraternity. And he's like, no, neither do I. He's like, I just go there to hang out and party. I'm like, Oh, that sounds pretty fun. You know, like community college, there's no party atmosphere there's no party there's no college lifestyle when you're in community college so it was a really fun opportunity and what's really interesting and what's pertinent to this you know topic is when i became a part of this like fraternity i learned about the history of their fraternity and how they used to be a part of the college campus but then they became like an offshoot and now they're like their own thing whatever can't really talk too much about that but as a fraternity in New Haven, they, you know, rub shoulders with some of the other uh, fraternities in New Haven, at like Yale. And I didn't go to Yale. This fraternity wasn't a part of Yale either. But um, the Skull and Bones Fraternity House, they have a reputation, you know. They, they, like, go around and steal stuff. Like, they'll steal, like, license plates. It's called crooking. It's, like, a thing that they do for fun and, tr- like, test their manhood or whatever
1: yeah sense to me
0: (laughs) so well I I think a lot of fraternities do this you got to keep in mind like fraternities have a long history in this country but this is a thing that skull and bones did so long story short my group that I was a part of for some time they crooked uh, a jolly roger flag a skull and bones flag from the skull and bones fraternity so I was it was like kind of serendipity that like me of all people like ends up in this fraternity because only two years earlier when I was in community college, I ran into this guy named Amos who did not look like anyone I'd ever met before is short sort of beefy kind of guy from Arizona, this native American dude. And he comes up to me because I'm smoking a joint in the park and he sees my shirt. He sees that I have a shirt that says, sure you can trust the government just ask an indian and it's got a picture of sitting bull you know wearing all of his regalia and uh and he liked my shirt and he probably figured oh this guy probably sell him a dime bag at at the very least uh and anyways him and i became friends and i told him you know what i was interested in and like you know shamanism and conspiracies and all that and he's like oh you want to hear conspiracy and So he starts telling me about Geronimo and how the skull of Geronimo was stolen from his grave where he was buried in Oklahoma by none other than Prescott Bush, the father of President George H.W. Bush and grandfather of George W. Bush. He went over there and robbed Geronimo's grave and as a member of Skull and Bones, he brought it back to the Yale University Skull and Bones tomb as a trophy. And my friend Amos learned about this sometime when he was in Arizona. He got out of prison, felt like he had to change his life and do something better with his life, you know, and he said, I'm going to go and pray for Geronimo because something about Geronimo really stuck with him. I think he's actually a you know distant relative because he's, he's from that same lineage as Geronimo, same sort of tribal area uh, where the Apaches are from. Yeah, so, so my brother Amos came, you know, with this message. He, he gave me this, like, lesson, like, hey, this is what's going on. This is why I'm here. I spent a lot of time, like, learning from him. But anyways, all of that happened, and the next thing I know, I'm in a fraternity that, like, you know, does all this crazy stuff. And uh, and it's interesting because, like, the idea of a, a fraternity, right, like you go and you become a part of this thing you, you get the perks of being brothers with people, right? And that happened for me. You know, I went and became a part of this animal house, like literally, animal house, like a disheveled party house, like trash everywhere, like six dudes sleeping in all the rooms, basement, living room, like everybody. You my know, school,
1: my <laughs> fucking nickname in high school was Belushi because I was <laughs> such a fucking party animal. I never even would to fit in house. You would have been in failing, man. Like no. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: they made us watch it was part of the curriculum as being in the fraternity. So yeah, I only saw it there as, you know, way past my generation, but, uh, but yeah, that's the vibe that it, it was literally like an animal house. And the fact that they had been kicked off campus like 10 years before I'd joined you know it was even more you know rebellious because they were autonomous you know they were it was completely run and organized by the members the brothers and they kept it going so there's a sort of like pride like do-it-yourself attitude about being a part of it but uh yeah it, you know not everybody really nobody was interested in the conspiracy side of it but there was that legend the story why we had that jolly roger flag and i always thought that was so synchronistic because here i am like a kid grew up near new haven never really went to new haven until i was old enough to get there myself because it, it wasn't a good like it's not like a city that you go to for fun like it it was a really shitty city when i was growing up like a lot of crime and, and now it's a little it's shaped up a little bit but it's still kind of bad so i didn't go there when i was a kid I go there, I meet this guy Amos, he starts telling me about this dead Native American warrior hero who's like, you know, his ghost is is in this school, you know? It's crazy stuff. And then I leave college and I get brought back to that situation, right? So it was serendipitous, it was synchronicity before I really understood what synchronicity truly was. And there were other events like that, like, one of the jobs that I got through knowing people in my brotherhood, the fraternity uh, at this college, uh, one of my buddies, Jay, he got me a job at a bakery. So I started delivering bread at this bakery and this bakery had a contract with Yale. So, you know, I'm going into Yale's college now, delivering bread, going into all these old buildings that have been around for 200 years, some of them 300 years, 400 years. The school's, you know, Had like an impact, you know.
1: Difference between the East and the West Coast. You guys, you guys are a little bit fucking older than us, dude. Oh yeah. Some of those fucking buildings are like,
0: well, yeah, for sure. New Haven is is like sixteen hundreds. They founded the colony, I think, like sixteen thirty nine. And the town I grew up in was like 1642. So, yeah, we're talking about 400 years of history. Those buildings built 400 years ago are, are definitely not around anymore. You know, they, most of what we have today are, are like 200 years old for the most part. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting, like um, this atmosphere that I kind of was raised in. I've always been like a curious person always had a sense of like rebelliousness and a rejection of authority so all of these things culminated into me becoming a part of this weird fraternity and like hanging out with these dudes and and then also like you know smoking pot freely there like that's the coolest thing because when weed was illegal You know, you could only smoke in your car. You got to drive around, you might get pulled over, you might get arrested. So back then to have a house where you can go and like smoke weed and party, it was a, it was an incredible lucky thing. And I I learned a lot, you know, from living in that kind of crazy atmosphere. And, you know, even though I dropped out of college, making those connections with people there kind of helped me get to where I'm at now in life. And, and at that bakery, I was like exposed to all this like Yale stuff, right? And I was just in the belly of the beast, you know. I'd sort of felt my whole life like, oh, here I am, just like a blue collar latchkey kid, like not, you know, no silver spoon in my mouth. And here's like the bit one of the biggest educational institutions in the world. Uh, the most privileged students, some, for the most part, some really brilliant students who come from nothing, get like a, a scholarship, go to this school, you know, it's an incredible place. And I've always been a little jaded, like, Hey, I'm from here. Why don't I get a freaking scholarship? I'm smarter. You know, there's like that sense of like, Oh, well, you're not elite. You know, there's that, that jadedness. So I've always, you know, appreciated when I could get close to that, you know, and and see what uh, the, the grass, how green it is on the other side, you know, that kind of idea.
1: But the East coast is different, dude. Cause like mm. there's rich people on the West coast But it really feels like there's still a fucking, like, caste system on the East Coast. There's, like, that old fucking money and those old fucking New England families. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. There's a different feel to it. Like, But I know what you mean because, like, I grew up, like, fucking half homeless as a kid, like, on fucking government – well, welfare, eating fucking government cheese, the whole fucking thing. And one of my first jobs was for this, like, elite fucking beautiful mansion it was called the ingemar club and it's still open and i'm sure it's got some weird masonic bullshit because there's like weird masonic symbols in there and you mm. probably have to be a mason to be a member but it's like you have to be rich as fuck yeah. to go to this place and it's beautiful you should look it up later the, Inge- oh, yeah. uh, the ingemar club the, the carson mansion that's what it's called and it's this crazy fucking mansion dude it's dope as fuck but like, yeah, I definitely and I was a cook, so I'm just like, I'm just to help still, but it's weird as fuck going in like this crazy, beautiful, insane, fancy ass house and you know, just still making steak for old people, but
0: right. You know. well, and and there is this, you know, especially in the past ten years, there's this like crazy hypocrisy with a specifically a group like Yale because you have all this tremendous wealth and privilege and elitism. But then these kids are going around, you know, victim this and social justice warrior that. Meanwhile, their, their college was founded by slave owners and Native American slaughterers and, you know, occultists, literal occultists, dark magic occultists. And I'll, I'll get into that, you know, New England is probably best known for like, at least historically speaking, like the witchcraft trials, right, which... Occurred in other colonies, but they were the most remembered here in in you know New England, specifically Massachusetts and Connecticut. And back then, you you weren't talking about states; you're talking about colonies, right? So there's the Plymouth Colony. You're talking about Massachusetts Bay Colony, the Connecticut Colony, and the New Haven Colony, all separate colonies with their own separate governing bodies, and they're all like, "Yeah, screw the king! We're gonna do our own thing now." We're going to do our own thing. We're our own royalty. So these are the minds that set up Yale and Harvard and, you know, this idea of elitism. Like they didn't, they weren't rejecting the king and because they despised kingdoms. They were rejecting the king because they wanted their own kingdom. They wanted to set it up as a Protestant, a Protestant kingdom, right? Because the Church of England was not, you know, was not uh, in agreement with anything that wasn't Anglican, right? They had this whole Catholic reform. The Church of England says, no, we're not going to do it this way or this way. We're going to do our own way, Anglican, you know, and then all these battles between the king and the queen, and the, the, you know, Oliver Cromwell takes over the royalty and starts a government. Now we have the parliament. So there's this whole history of England that connects to the history of New England. There's no, you know, it's no coincidence and that it it's called New England.
1: And the coolest thing about like the new fucking world was that whole idea of like freedom of religion where they actually yeah. had that. And so it was like all the weird for lack of a better term, all the weird like different Christian sects found fucking freedom to express themselves here. And like that's where you got all these weird fucking like pseudo cults and shit because they were allowed to fucking because i've i've heard that too before that like a lot of those guys like a lot of the deists too they were like like hardcore occultists and they were afraid to practice that shit because they thought you know they might get their fucking head chopped off but they felt way freer here in america and that's like where you get that whole like like you know the whole masonic like founding of this Mm. country really is because they felt safer here yeah. Well, we'll we'll get a little bit
0: further on to that, maybe. But keep in mind, Freemasonry officially started in 1717. So this is, you know, after the colonies were founded.
1: And uh, You're absolutely- it's officially, officially, so Freemasonry. Yeah. Yeah, OK. But they like to they like to tie their beginnings back to like like much further than that. Right. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, officially 1717. But before that, there were definitely other secret societies and they kind of morphed into a hierarchy of Freemasonry at some point and others existed simultaneously but yeah the the colonies had their own share of cults for sure I mean there's so many different religions that came and set up here that even to this day exist like uh, we have in Pennsylvania, the Amish, right? The Amish are like one of the most interesting phenomena from that time period because, you know, they didn't settle initially, but they kind of carry a lot of those practices that they had back then on to this day. And one of the aspects that people don't really know about with the Amish is they have folk magic. They practice this like folk magic. It comes back from Europe and in Europe, they have they would call these gentlemen brokers, and the brokers were like healers, but they were also, you know, doing spells. And, you know, you have this idea of like a man wizard and a woman witch, right? So in the Amish, you know, they don't use those same words because it comes from a German language, not the English language, but uh, yeah, they have that same concept of the man, the patriarchal magician. And the reason why you have these witchcraft trials is because here in the United States, you know, in the colonies, the patriarchal magicians, the wizards, they were all church fathers, you know? They were, like you said, they, they, were, they believed these alternative ideas, they integrated the occult into their beliefs in God, and they wanted to practice that kind of stuff with uh, autonomy away from the king, but they also wanted to practice it within secret so that they wouldn't be contested for their power. And when these women who carried the folk magic traditions with them came to the New England colonies, they, you know, they were a threat. They were a competition to these church fathers who, like I said, you know, had this duplicitous occult fascination where it was inward, not outward. It was esoteric, not exoteric. Um so, you know, folk magic and healing and this kind of thing was shunned and and those people were, were hung and, and whatnot. And in a lot of cases they were more political and social uh, motivations behind those accusations. It was more or less a, a political device where you can sort of gain power, take someone's property or you're know, by accusing them and getting the whole mm-hmm. town against them. Now their property is yours or whatever, you know, this sort of lawcraft, witchcraft law that, that kind of is ingrained in the law. Like the law is magic to some extent, but uh, this is a little bit, prior to all that, really getting, you know, systematically solidified, right? Back then, people were able to, like, go and run away and never pay taxes and, you know, screw off and, and never see anybody again. Like, this is, you know, the situation we're in now took a lot of planning and, and work to set up, and, and the colonies is is where they did that, and they had to strip the folk magic from the people so that they can... Control them better, and and yeah. there's other motivations as well, but I think control is really the the most uh, you know at the, the top of the
1: pyramid of motivation. So, do the Amish still practice that folk magic? Yeah, I have a. Uh, That's so fucking cool, dude. Like, I admire the Amish a lot. I think the Amish. are fucking cool dude just because their resistance to government and their resistance to like any type of like mm. basically anybody that wants to influence them they're like fuck you we're the amish and we're going to do our thing right and I, I just find it so fucking fascinating and their anabaptist roots are also fucking cool like that was like their first thing the anabaptists were the were the guys that just said like a baby can't be fucking baptized because they're not making a cognizant choice. So you have to make that choice when you're an adult. And that was that whole Anabaptist movement. And so they were like one of the first ones. And the other thing about Anabaptists is they are very anti-authoritarian and anti-monarchy, uh, like anti-state. Like they wanted to have a very firm like, – um, like because – I'm I'm part of like a Christian anarchist movement where we like say no king but Christ like that's the only authority that we serve like so I might happen to be in America but I am I don't serve the United States like this is not my fucking country I'm an ambassador for Christ in this nation. Right. Like that is my king. Uh, I serve his kingdom. Fuck America. You know, that, that sort of thing. But the Anabaptists are the same way, which mm. is really fascinating. And the almish have always been that way, too. They're like, yeah, we happen to live here in America, but we're doing our own thing and we serve God.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and has- I just
1: love that, like an anti-authoritarian, that fucking uh, contrarian streak. And yeah. I, I love it, too.
0: Yeah. I think the Amish and the Anabaptists are sort of stems of the same branch or even possibly two Mm -hmm. words for the same thing. But, um, but yeah, you're right, and even to this day, I don't think Amish have uh, obligation to the IRS because they don't take any of the government services that would make you obligatory to the
1: government's, You know, uh, whatever you yeah. know, leash you're that they want to put Amish, on you. Because that's that's what <laughs> I want. Like, right. like fuck your, like yeah, like fuck your schools, like fuck your, yeah.
0: Just, well, and and if we want to get really conspiracy. If we want to get really conspiratorial here, uh, our president, frickin' Schmoe uh, He, he was one of the speakers when they had that really terrible um, Amish shooting. You remember that in the news? There was a a wacko guy who went and shot up an Amish schoolhouse, and uh, Joe (laughs) Schmo Biden was saying, yeah, I was uh, golfing a few miles away, and we heard the gunshots. You know, some bullshit lie. But it was just really creepy, uh, his involvement. And I wonder, you know, not to get too conspiratorial here, but I think, get weird. yeah, I think, you know, these false flag shootings, you know, that they have a certain purpose, right? So maybe they targeted uh, those Amish people with that, that, you know, because of what you're talking about, where they're sort of against the grain and they wanted to rope them into that sort of uh, really devilish trick that they pull with these false flag events
1: dude it's fascinating as fuck man i guess they've just been around long enough because they i mean they were around before the founding of this country and so i guess that's how they get grandfathered in but if any other person like tries to do what they do they'll fucking kill you like think about waco you know what i mean and branch the videos they got smoked, dog they don't allow you to do your own thing hmm. you know you can do it until you just get a little bit too big for your britches and you're trying to have like real autonomy you know
0: Right. Well, and that's what, what really, I guess, protects the Amish is the fact that they don't have any weapons and that they, They're nonviolent and, you know, the government can't use that excuse of like, oh, well, you're terrorists because you're stockpiling weapons, you know, like that, that
1: something to that, man, there really is, because I've talked about that with a lot of different people. Actually, there's something to the peaceful revolution Yeah. because it's like they want you to get violent. If you are reactionary and you get angry and you're ready to take arms, you're easier to control. Yeah, that's how they instigate your ass to get violent because then they can fucking put your dick in the dirt, right. you know? Right, yeah. But if you're sitting there with a flower in your hand and saying, I'm just not going to bow to your authority. It, it's very difficult for them to put a gun in your face because everyone right. has a camera on their phone right. and it makes them look like the tyrants they are. They have to expose themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the second amendment's great. I don't disagree with it one one bit, but I think it's just as powerful to do what you just described. You know, put a flower uh, in a in a gun barrel like they did in the '60s.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, how the fuck did Mahatma Gandhi fucking send the uh, the British Empire packing and getting the fuck out of India, dude? He did it with a peaceful revolution, and I mean, that's what Martin Luther King did too. Like they were standing there and they're like, "No, we're not going to comply." And they were standing there in suits and they were standing there like with smiles on their faces. And that's really what changed the fucking whole game is when they fucking sick dogs on them and were like fucking blasting with fire hoses when they were peaceful and people saw that shit. And they're like, wow, this shit's ugly, you know, because like even racist people were like, that's fucked up, you know, and that's what changed the game, man. It, it is sometimes You know, I think that there's definitely something to that peaceful revolution, to that uh, civil disobedience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I
0: think, uh, you know, the colonies, we have have a lot to, to thank the colonies for. I'm not like over here trying to paint a picture that what went down in the colonies is all evil and whatnot. You know, it's funny, the Connecticut colony, the first governor of the Connecticut colony, which at the time didn't include New Haven. It was Hartford and sort of the Eastern portion of the state, east of the Connecticut river and down to the length of the Connecticut river. You had this governor who was an alchemist. He was a part of a shout out to Kurt. Uh, He was a part of the Royal, college or the Royal Society, right? This invisible college. So I think the Royal Society had an official founding, uh, around the time that John Winthrop, the younger was alive, but, uh, but they started as sort of like a invisible sort of intellectual secret society. And this governor of Connecticut was,
1: yeah, the invisible college. Yeah.
0: He was a part of it. And he was actually, because of his alchemical knowledge and his occult knowledge, he was very progressive. We'll say compared to the other people in charge in the colonies, because when he was uh, asked to proceed over, you know, witch trials, he was always pretty, you know, skeptical about the accusers' claims because he had some knowledge about what you could actually do with magic, and you know, he realized like, oh, this is all so far-fetched. There's no way these women can do this kind of stuff because he he knew what occult magic really was he had an idea of how a ceremonial magician could actually summon a demon and clearly that wasn't what was going on with these witches they were practicing folk magic like i described which can be charming like these charms right where you sort of set your intention into a, a thing and you you charm that onto the world right this idea of someone having charisma or charm like some the ability to charm someone like this is a type of magic right is you you can set your intention into maybe like a a crystal or a glass of water or whatever and and maybe project that
1: intention onto reality this is a type of magic what's your opinion on magic as far as that goes so let's say like like you said, like you're putting that intention out into the universe, but simultaneously that's like changing your whole attitude and you're starting to emulate those sort of things. And so by just by focusing on that, you can make it like manifest it. but just, but it's all, it's just you doing it. You know what I mean? Or do you think that there's something actually more to it and there's something that like some sort of mystical element to it as well? Well, like, I think I hard, I, yeah, I go back and forth with the magic thing. Hmm. Well,
0: I would recommend that you read, uh, Dean Raiden's book, real magic. You might've heard of Dean Raiden before Dr. Dean Raiden. but you know, what's interesting about magic and this Amish magic book, it's like, you're not just going to find spells in here. For example, uh, here's a spell quote unquote spell on how to brew beer (laughs) there's another uh, spell on how to cure a headache. There's another. So these are all very practical things. But in a time where maybe science wasn't what we think of science, it was all considered the same thing. It was just knowledge. Yeah. It was just wisdom. So the fact that the universe responds in this way, it really doesn't matter whether or not it's me doing it or, or if there's a conscious force out there outside of me that's responding to me. The fact is, is that there are certain things that work. I might not mm-hmm. be able to, to demonstrate them in a scientific setting but life doesn't happen in a sterile scientific vacuum setting right we want to apply things now to this laboratory criteria of like well can you repeat it this many times it's like well life doesn't work like that right so i think that's sort of the the cross between science and magic at this point in our thinking as modern humans but you know only a couple hundred years ago science and magic were the same thing like it's just it was just being knowledgeable it's just having wisdom like if it works share it with other people and people are going to want to know about it and that information is going to spread and then people are going to keep that information and they're going to hold to it because it's useful like uh, a spell it wouldn't be passed down in a spell book if it didn't do anything You know, it'd be useless, right? And sure, there's hoaxers and there's people who, you know, maybe were a little crazy and they wrote stuff that isn't practical. But for the most part, my experience with magic has been pretty innocent in the sense that I'm not like a ceremonial magician going and doing spells and setting up all this shit to, like,
1: create some kind of reality change. If you had any experience, like, trying to... you.
0: When I was yeah, younger, yes. Sure, when I was younger and yeah. I learned about this stuff, I would like try out certain things in in books like like uh, you know, put a candle here and and meditate with this intention. I never went like too far with it cuz like most of most of it is what I realize is is designed to create a placebo effect.
1: Yeah yeah it, but sometimes placebo works i mean there's even there's been studies that show that placebos work even if you know it's a placebo well, but it's not fucking fascinating
0: man that's the thing though it's not that's like the word placebo meant all healing that's what the word means like all healing neat. right so and what you can do with a placebo ritual or so like you have a candle with a certain color that matches a vibration that's the energy that you are focusing on so now you're adding you're multiplying you know this is this is science and in, in actuality it is a science it's just we've we've gone down a different path of of viewing the world than we did maybe 400 years ago and it's a little harder to grasp but i would say magic is worth people's time it's it's something that christianity accounts for there are you know christian magicians we're talking about them right now i mean the calvinists were a type of christian group that practice the kabbalah which is a you are know, you serious yeah That's yeah
1: fascinating as fuck the yeah, only they, thing i know about calvinists basically is their whole predestination type of thing and so we always just make fucking jokes about them like we tease the calvinists a lot in our fucking groups like in friendly ways but i had no idea they practiced the kabbalah
0: well they don't and just they, believe that i mean they don't just believe in predestiny they believe that everybody is predestined to either be sinner or a saint right or elite chosen or 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 a sinner and some people are even meant to do evil things in order to invoke god's will right so this is the mindset that went into creating the new haven colony that would eventually create yale that would eventually become the home for Skull and Bones, this international secret society that has its connections all the way back to Europe, like all the other elements of this story. Uh, And Skull and Bones' connection to Europe is with, of course, the Illuminati. And people hear that word and they're like, oh, Illuminati, Kanye West, hand over his eye, or whoever else, celebrity that does this bullshit. That's not what the Illuminati was. That's propaganda, that's PSYOP to get people to not understand our history the true illuminati was smart enough to do what every other secret society does which is create so many different versions of yourself that nobody can identify you as one solid uh, group you know and you have your agents in all of these different groups where maybe those groups are filled with people who don't even know they're a part of this larger group because only one guy in that group who's kind of run into things is connected to everybody else so you have these networks that are formed with people who I are, I mean,
1: that's basically what I think about the Freemasons today. I think, mm. cause like I, I got a lot of friends that are Freemasons, but I sincerely think that there's some dark shit going on in Freemasonry, but 99.9% of them have no, they're just fucking having a good old time fucking drinking beers and like wearing weird little cloths over their crotch and stuff. And just like spanking each other's ass and stuff. I think, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, I, think, I it, think it, I think
0: Freemasons are, are, talking about things that we just talked about here with magic and how to use like the power of your mind efficiently uh it's just you know in 1820 something in the 1820s or the 18 teens there was the William Morgan affair do you know about this I think it was William Morgan I might be getting his name wrong but uh he's it In this book, I'll find him. So back then, there's this guy who became a Freemason, and he wrote...
1: Is he connected to, like, J.P. Morgan and things like that, and to the banking?
0: No, so same name, different guy. So he he wrote a book exposing all these things about the Freemasons, right? Yeah, it's William Morgan. William Morgan was his name. Uh, And there's a monument in Batavia, New York, that says... Uh, the bane of our civil institutions is to be found in masonry, already powerful and daily becoming more so. I owe to my country an exposure of its dangers, Captain William Morgan. So in the early 1800s, he joined the Freemasons. There was an anti-Mason
1: party in this country.
0: Yeah, so this is why that started. This is why that started. So William Morgan wrote a book about Freemasons. He exposed a bunch of stuff that they didn't want. Exposed and they killed him. They just, you know, threw his body over the Niagara Falls and his body washed up on shore in Canada. And they told everybody, oh, he went on a trip to Canada and he, he's not coming home. He's, don't worry, he's fine. But they knew he died and That's then they true. found his body.
1: <laughs> he took a trip to Canada and.
0: Right, and th- at this time, the Freemasons were probably a lot more influential than they are today. Like you said, you got friends that are Freemasons. I used to buy weed from a Freemason. Like I, I'm not afraid of Freemasons. I'm just saying, like you They're know,
1: great to have a conversation with, dude, because they know a lot about this shit. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing. It's yeah. like we've we've lost that aspect of our society to some degree. You know, in in the early 1800s, people were. You know, they didn't have entertainment like we do now so that was part of their entertainment they go and join a club that you know made them feel like they're you know unique somehow right and it was curtailed to what they liked about life and and every group had their own you know ritual and uh you know aesthetic to them but for the most part they're kind of revealing the same thing is like the power of the human mind the power of the soul uh creating that uh, three days. Uh, experience of like what Jesus experienced right where you you res- are you're resurrected right this is a uh, actual ritual thing that goes from the mystery schools prior to Jesus they would take people and give them a near death experience so that they would leave their body and their soul would leave their body and have this you know incredible experience that now in the modern day we describe as like a near-death experience you can go and read about all kinds of accounts of afterlife experiences people who've you know died and come back and so (coughs) this was a kind of way of in training people and whether or not you you know their intentions were good it's hard to argue with the effect of something like that if somebody says hey we're a special group we have secret knowledge and then they push you to the brink of death you leave your body you see all this stuff and you come back i mean you're gonna owe them your life a and you're gonna be so grateful that they showed you this experience that you'd probably be loyal to this group for the rest of your life so it works in a social kind of manipulative way but it also could be you know a good thing if this is a good experience of leaving your body and and seeing what the other realms look like
1: That's fascinating, man. Yeah, I mean, and we could connect that back to Skull and Bones, right? When they make you lay inside of that coffin and make you say all kinds of crazy shit. Like, I mean, maybe that's more just about embarrassment, blackmail. But and the thing about
0: Skull and Bones is they seem to be a little different than your average secret society. Like I said, secret societies are oriented towards maybe uplifting consciousness for the select few who would then go on to shape society and be a part of this boys club where they all help each other out and give each other good jobs and make sure everybody does well. Well when the anti-masonic party came a thing, all of these groups went underground and and or they became public groups and they had no secrecy. So this is when you see all these colleges start with like the Greek letter fraternities. There'd been Greek letter fraternities prior to that
1: but they all became Do you think there's any connections still to like uh, the masons and things like that with for, like school college no, like fraternities those, yeah some of those school 100% maybe their pipelines or 100% yeah that's fascinating man cuz I, I well there are whole colleges that are uh with thomas uh, paranoid american about cuz my great grandfather and i think my grandfather and my great great grandfather were all fucking kkk members and uh, which is fascinating. They're down in Oklahoma and he was telling me about like the history of how uh, the KKK got started and Albert Pike was there for like the first meeting and got it started and the weird KKK connections with Freemasonry and uh, how a lot of their, uh, well, some of their garb, you know, and, and a lot of their rituals are are similar, which is really f- fascinating man it was almost like and then i thought he was fucking with me i thought he was joking but because he's down there in florida he was saying that like in his lodge black people aren't allowed in there it was like i was it was like like i thought he was joking and he was like no i'm totally serious i was like oh okay i guess florida really is the deep south still like it's it's pretty fucking funny
0: oh no, you're right you're right yeah it's, well they have prince hall freemasonry which yeah, is specifically yeah. and designed
1: he couldn't go in there either they just they say yeah. you know have their separate thing but right. dude i'm like but that's part of that's a funny dude because i'm in a west coast bubble you know <laughs> it's yeah it's just funny yeah That's a part of
0: history, you know, like this, this is, it seems a little out there for us nowadays because all of this has gone back underground, but there was a time where it was very obvious that this is what was going on and people maybe were a little naive to the political powers that these groups were gaining. So the anti Masonic party came around and the very serious groups that understood the power of being a secret society just changed their name or, or went further underground and, Or even, you know, left the group they were in to start a new group kind of thing, right? So um, Skull and Bones is kind of like that. You have these guys, William Huntington Russell, and you have uh, Taft, Alfonso Taft, who is the great-grandson of, uh, or I'm sorry, he's the son of of President Taft or either the father of President Taft. I always get that mixed up, but... uh, Mm But yeah, this is this is just the way society operated back then, and and as far as I know, the KKK wasn't just founded by like Freemasons. It was founded by a very specific group of Freemasons that broke away from the rest of the Freemasons during the Civil War. Uh, I think they are called the Knights of the Golden Circle, and the Knights of the Golden Circle were, uh, I mean you know, now the KKK has a horrible reputation. I think rightly so. I don't condone anything that any hate group does, but, uh, I think part of the Knights of the golden circle, like they were trying to get all of the gold that was buried, like all this gold that the South had, they hid it away and they were trying to find it all so that they could re like ignite this war and get the South free from the North and, Yeah, there's this whole, you know, duplicitous history where we're told all this crap that ends up not being true and and then it becomes social taboo to even bring up some of these subjects so people get even more ignorant to them. And that's the really the trouble of of when a a secret society becomes uh, controlling education like we have with Skull and Bones. You have members of Skull and Bones going off and starting major colleges across the United States. I mean, 1832, we didn't even have... 50 states. We had like 20 or so states, right? They didn't even get past the Mississippi River uh, very much yet in 1832. So, you know, we're, we're talking about an entirely different country than, than now in a way. And also the foundation of where you are in the West was set up by these guys that left the Ivy League as successful businessmen and went out west to to strike it big with the gold rush or the industrial revolution or whatever was going on. Um, you know, that's a little more forward in, in the timeline here. But talking about that Knights of the Golden Circle thing, you know, they, there's a whole bunch of gold that's that's like hidden around the United States from that time period of like different colonies coming here and trying to hide stuff and pirates hiding gold. I mean, it's gold is is a interesting you know connection point with conspiracies because everybody's interested in it and recently Peter shampoo a guest that I'm very fond of he's a very nice guy and he's written a really great book uh he told me that the uh Inca I believe would hang gold in a tree you know because it wasn't like a a wealth thing for them it was a spiritual thing it like brought god's energy to a place like gold has like a divine quality to it so you know the history of america is very esoteric very occult you know like there's this whole story of jesse james he was a he was a freemason and he was you know in working with a bunch of freemasons and some people think that he buried a bunch of gold somewhere, and, uh, you know, if you know the right Freemason codes, you can go and, like, decode some of his hints and figure out where he buried it. So, yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting. And if
1: that's true, then the Freemasons found that shit a long time ago. Well,
0: and that's, that's the, (laughs) that's the thing with these secret societies. So like you have these people who are in secret going around following up on all these like legends and and myths, things that are just silly folk tales for people who are not in the know they're going around, they're finding the gold, they're finding the lost ships, they're finding the weird stuff and, and they're, they're integrating it into their power and the, the uh, monopoly or the, you know, the synarchy, really the government ruled by secret societies.
1: Yeah, man. It's fucking fascinating. Yeah, the Freemasons to me are so fucking fascinating. Cause I, I think about it too. I mean, they were uh, you know, what's his name was also a Freemason, the guy that started the 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 Mormon church, like just and how much of that is Joseph just, Smith. Yeah. Man, it's just so fucking crazy. Yep. I I sometimes, man, I fantasize because there's a lodge down the road I'm just going down there just to try to I just want to check out their library. I'm sure they would let you look if you asked. I mean, maybe
0: I'm totally naive saying that, but if you make the right friends, they might not be so, like, on guard as you might expect. Like, that Freemason that I bought weed from was very forthcoming about things that he he knew. I wasn't that, like, I didn't pry too much, but I was curious, you know. He told me a bunch of stuff. And I've heard other people say similar things about friends that they have that are, different groups and they're showing off all the things they have these guys you know they they don't get enough interest in what they're doing so i'm sure if you went over there and like hey i don't want to join but i'm just i'd love to like learn some things if i can they might be like all right come here (laughs) you know i don't know Uh, you might you might also get like dropped into a a tunnel and sent off to shanghai if you're not careful out there in oregon so be careful
1: It's true, man. Yeah, I haven't checked out. Well, there is a bar that's in those tunnels, and so I have checked that out. There's, like, an underground fucking bar that's part of those fucking tunnels. Yeah. And I've got some beers down there. Uh, but, yeah, I want to check out more of that. There's, like, some, like, ghost haunted tours of those fucking of those tunnels underneath. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating area, dude. There's a lot of darkness out here in Portland. Well, on the point of ghosts, you know, I
0: think... People think of New England as like, oh, oh, spooky and whatnot. And there's a bunch of horror movies that take place around here. But really, like the Native American energy, I think, is really what is responsible for that. Like this, not only this tragedy that occurred where, you know, a whole group of 44 million people were displaced and killed or, you know, enslaved and all these other... uh, terrible things happen but you have like this energy of a culture that is in touch with the land for all these years and then their connection is severed and then the land now is trying to reach out and connect with the new inhabitants but they're so blind to the world of the mythic and the mysticism because of their christian culture that they they just see it all as demons devils and and spooky stuff and really it's like you know, these are our ancestors. These are, and I'm not against Christianity by any means. I mean, I grew up uh, Catholic, if that says anything about me. But I definitely, you know, I believe in God, and I don't, I don't want to be like an apologist. You know, what happened happened in history. I'm not crying and saying anyone's to blame. But, uh, but I think that's what we have going on because the Native Americans were very conscious of their ancestral connection and how you can use the land. To connect with the ancestors. And then we take these structures that the Native Americans spent all this time worshiping and putting concentrated effort towards, and you replace it with this, like, you know, uh, different group of people well, that energy pattern that's been on the land for that long is still going to come out over time, you know? So places where, like, the Native Americans said, like, yeah, we don't go there, That's a that place is bad luck, and then, you know, 200, 300 years later, people don't remember that story because they killed all the Native Americans. Well, yeah, they kill all yeah. the Native Americans. They lose track of the folk legends and all the stories about these places. And then they go and build, you know, their town. And next thing you know, a dog man's killing all their, you know, people. Like, I I mean, that's kind of a little, you know, out there a little bit. But, you know, that's the what I think of when I hear of, like, paranormal things going on. It's like... Maybe there's a, a connection. We dogman on our on our podcast. Uh, no, 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 no. There's
1: been enough. Yeah. There's well, but
0: Dogman, how many things. times has Dogman yeah. killed a bunch of people? Like, Dogman frightens people, but I've only heard, like, one story of, of like,
1: someone getting hurt by a Dogman. But you know what's fascinating, dude? It's just all of those people. Because I've uh, we talked about this, on our, on our I think, on our documentary. We even talked about this a little bit. It was just, like, the overlap between, um, like, the missing 411 and then if you overlap that map with the deep underground cave systems and then if you overlap that again with cryptid sightings like Bigfoot, and Dogman, there's so much fucking overlap. It's crazy, dude. Right. It's fucking fast. Well, and I think and, and there could very well be people getting taken like down into the inner earth and things like that and
0: Well, and it's obvious with like Sasquatch, where there's like a Native American connection, and they know they've known about this creature for a long time, and they talk about him and their stories and whatnot. But think about like here in New England, a lot of the tribes that were here just left or or were killed because the colonies were a lot, you know, less forgiving back then. I mean, you know, in the Midwest, they were killed a bunch and massacred and moved around a bunch but here in in new england it's like you know they're they're hardly here anymore they're they're sort of uh, just a ghost a corpse of what who used to be living here and um you know i think these stone structures that they built specifically the ones in new england like, carry that energy. Like, a stone literally carries energy. That's why we use quartz crystals in watches and computers and stuff, right? And quartz is in granite. Granite's all over New England. All these stones are made of granite. So we have this, like, energy grid of stones here in New England. You have these ghosts that are, like, getting trapped in the energy field. And then you have all these people who go into these old houses that were probably built on Native American land you know, and the the ghosts are trapped inside, you know, it's kind of like I don't know, it, it doesn't doesn't feel like uh, like people are recognizing the connection and, and you know, the most famous witch, Tichaba, wasn't even uh, European. She was from the Caribbean, she was a Caribbean Native American who was practicing like that type of folk magic and they have a whole thing down there that connects to voodoo and whatnot. I'm coughing. You got a baby crying. (laughs) Hold on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, dude. Like, I feel like I have so much fucking like prejudice, like baggage of any sort of like esoteric, like, uh, like folk magic because of my like Christian upbringing. And like, so like I was taught to be afraid of it all, like all of that is Satan. And the more I do like, like research into like, you know, like, early early church like right after jesus like before catholicism took over like they were esoteric as fuck man yeah there's
0: some, some crazy all the catholic church on. did was just separate the esoteric from the masses they just took but they kept it for themselves yeah it's the
1: craziest thing the vatican is a cult as fuck well, jesus you know, you know crazy shit man
0: Christ was, you know, I hope I don't offend anybody, but it's not I'm not the one who came up with this. Uh, there's plenty of books you can read about this, but Christ is a a magician in some sense. Like he performed what we could call magical acts of course they were ordained by god but this is a type of magic it's called divination you're 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 searching for god's will you know this is that's what divination is in a certain sense a divinity right you know it's that there's no uh inconsistency there with the word connection because it, it's meant to be there you know it, I think that's what makes the colonies so fascinating is you have this freedom of religion like you're talking about. You have these witch trials, you have all of these like Native Americans who are practicing all sorts of styles of of, uh, what we can consider today magic you know from different ceremonies using music, drums and things like that that put you in a trance. Uh they we know they had different types of entheogens that they would use in certain ways. Tobacco changed the whole world because of the Native Americans here in the, you know, New World, you know. So there's there's argument to be made that what happened here is certainly mystical and and magical, but uh yeah. I kind of lost track of where I was going with that. It's like the worst thing you could say on a podcast, but uh where was <laughs> it I happens, going? <laughs>
1: yeah. I, dude, I'm I'm actually pretty fucking curious and I'm and I want to like like maybe fucking dabble in a little oh. bit of this like I um, wouldn't i wouldn't say dabble stuff i wouldn't say dabble in
0: the magic i would say start looking up like the history and see that it's it's actually something that's a lot more compatible with christianity than you may expect you know
1: Do do you have any like knowledge about like rosicrucianism because they they consider themselves christians but they're also like mystical christians and they have some crazy fucking beliefs and i'm like i'm ready to like fucking go check them out like i know that there's like a gnostic church down in like downtown portland like not too far from me i want to go down there and hang out with them and just have some conversations like yeah i mean anything blasphemy
0: anything you can (laughs) anything you can learn from them you can learn through your own research with books you know the Rosicrucians started off uh As a sort of intelligentsia think tank, like they wanted to be able to think about these new scientific ideas without, you know, the the constraints of the church or the government, right? So the Rosicrucians, a reason for their secret society, came out of like, you know, using the ideas of the alchemy and magic, which you know, are kind of the same things as science. If you really think about it, especially when you go into the ancient world, there were things that we wouldn't even be able to do today, like the pyramids and all these megalithic structures. Like there's some magic there that we still don't understand. Maybe when we understand it, we'll call it science, but it's pretty magical right now to, to behold. So here's an example. And the Rosicrucians are a group of very interesting, uh, secret society people because they according to some never existed like they were just this sort of like uh, a role-playing type of thing where these guys were just like um, identifying as Rosicrucians the same way you would like have a pen name and write like weird porn or something and you don't want your family to know you're writing like creepy like you know porn novels or whatever you know you do with a pen name it's the same thing it's like they wanted to write about science and philosophy without having to like be you know constrained to the church so they all became a part of like this fake group uh, that were like you know the rosy cross like it sounds all I don't think they're fake I'm just giving you an interpretation obviously yeah. now there's an American version of the rosicrucians is very real but the original rosicrucians were um who inspired like the college system that invisible college that i was talking
1: about fascinating and like the founding fathers so much like spiritual and religious like baggage that like I feel like if I went down there and I like fucking hung out with him, I'd go to hell or something, but (laughs) I want to fucking go hang out with him, but fucking learn some shit. That sounds interesting as fuck.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think God, and this is my belief. I think God wants us to know as much as we can learn. You know, I think we're meant to learn
1: unless you're talking about God Nim not wanting us to eat the fucking fruit and it was (laughs) and it was Lucifer that was like, Hey, you want to know some shit? Yeah, I think eat this apple. I think
0: yeah, I think that's political, you know. I really do. I think like the reason we have prophets is because they these are people who had, you know, whatever ability they were born with to commune with God better than anyone else. The same way like the highest paid basketball player can play basketball better than anyone else. Like there's a certain organ and faculty to our human mind that connects us with the almighty and the uh, outside of us, this consciousness, this, this creative force that our whole universe is built around. There's something that connects us to that. And, I think our society has uh, turned us into domesticated humans, and so now we're even further from the possibility of experiencing a sort of prophecy. And that's, in, that's intentional, because they want a middleman between you and God. They want the church to govern your experience of God, when in actuality, Christ is you. You are Christ. We are all Christ. Christ, that's why he died, for our sins, to teach us that we could all be just as great as him, and be just as kind as him and loving as him and merciful as him and never fall to authority
1: because that's what shrooms did for me man shrooms actually because i went i went through a long phase where i was like a hard atheist dude and then i started doing my weight in mushrooms and it brought me back to Jesus. I started like recognizing the Godhead within me. And I started recognizing the God in you. Mm-hmm. And I started like feeling that. And, you know, I can call that the Holy Spirit. That is the piece of the divine that was put inside of you. And, it, you know, and I'm in downtown Portland. as like a 20-something-year-old, drunk and high as fuck on mushrooms. And I would normally just walk past this homeless guy. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at him and I can see God in him, you know, and I'm like, Hey, what's your name, man? Are you hungry? You want to go grab a sandwich? You know, like, can I pray for you? And I was an atheist at the time and I, I'm shocking myself. I'm like, can I pray for you? You know? And, and I just had these like, and I'd be praying to the universe for him. And like, we'd have this like intercessionary prayer. And then like, I'd give him a big hug and buy him a cup of coffee. And like, and then I was like, who the fuck am I? What am I doing? You know, like, and it just brought me back to Jesus, man. That's one of those fucking things. Yeah. Recognizing the divine within everybody.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that with me and and everyone listening. I, I could say the same about cannabis and like, I was kind of an atheist because of my Catholic upbringing and then I smoked weed and yeah, I realized like, you know, a lot of things that I'd, sort of come to think were were not correct and and one of those things was like this like idea that god wasn't real and i started to really like that was proven to me over and over again and and one of those ways was through amos the guy i mentioned earlier and he taught me about prayer and how to pray and and why prayer was important and you know it's sort of a silly thing to even think about like oh You didn't know how to pray. It's so easy. But when you're at what so many
1: people are intimidated by it, because they're like, I don't know how to talk to God, right? So they won't even try it. And it's like, like, I'm telling everybody that's listening right now, God loves you. God wants to hear you. God's just stoked that you're talking to him. You can just sit there and just kind of lay when you, before you go to bed and just say, like, just start being grateful for things, thanking for little things throughout the day that happened and just talk to him, just have a conversation with him or tell him like how bad that sucked. You get like, he literally is just there to listen, man. He wants to talk to you. You can tell him like this today sucked, God, why did that happen? You know? And, and then, you also reflect because I feel that he talks to me. And so it's like, you can reflect on like, what did I do to make today suck? Mm. You know, Absolutely. And where are you in that? Absolutely.
0: You know? Yeah. Well, reflection is so important, you know, I mean, <clears throat> that's kind of where my mind went naturally through smoking weed, you know, as a young guy, I didn't really ever think to think about the world that way. And it, it gave me a new way of reflecting so to speak but uh yeah i i don't uh i don't think that <clears throat> you know where i'm at now would even be possible if i didn't communicate with god in that way and it, it like you said it kind of sounds far-fetched to people but like take it from someone like me who is not a part of a church believes in god and i consider prayer like a, a di- like a, a part of my my life you know like when when i when i'm at that point where i'm like hmm you know like oh i'm praying like it's something that i you're just naturally doing all the time it's about like uh, you know recognizing it being grateful and like understanding that you have purpose and that purpose might not be to be the president, or you know, to run the world, or whatever. You know, whatever your craziest exactly.
1: ideal the important is, important part, yeah. The most you Im- are still an integral part of this universe, right? And you have a place to be. Because, like, I think about the conversation you and I had the first time when you were telling me that you were working at Amazon and you fucking hated your job, and you were like, "Fuck this!" And you just had this epic moment where you just quit. And it's like, God, when you when life is going well. You are going with the flow. You are going with the like what the plans that God has for you. Because look at you now, dude. You're fucking killing it. You're doing fucking awesome stuff. You're doing God's work right now. Well and, and- I was having this conversation. You having conversation with all these other people, expanding people's minds. Like you're going with the mission that God gave you. Thank and you. the best thing you did was say, Fuck it and walk out of that place.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, the irony is, I loved that job for a few years because I was able to listen to podcasts and get paid for it. You know, all day I'm listening to podcasts. And then all of a sudden they're telling me I need to wear a mask, take my temperature, and all this crazy stuff. And yeah, I, you know, God was like, well, you know, put up or shut up. You know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to put up what you're worth or you're going to shut up and take it? You know, and I said, I'm going to show the world what I'm worth. I'm going to quit this job because i don't i don't need to be an amazon delivery driver i'm i'm mark i could provide for myself no matter what i do that's just what i needed to do at that time and and thank you for saying that you know i hope my show continues to grow and and help people because one of the best things that i've sort of experienced through this podcast is exactly that when someone hits me up and says yo thank you for doing what you do. Your show helps me get through work or your show showed me this that I never thought of or I really love your show. I don't even know why, you know, like any variety of of the compliments are so cool because back when I was listening to podcasts all day, it had that same effect on me. So to think, wow, I'm I'm contributing to this and helping other people. Yeah, it's, it's you know, and that's, yeah, I said, oh, you, you don't have to be the president, right? What I mean by that is like, you know people think of purpose as being like this like position, right? Purpose doesn't have to be this position within a hierarchy. Purpose everybody has purpose, right? And your purpose is yours to discover and God chose that for you or or maybe God helps you find it, you know, however it's best for you. Maybe, you know, you switch it up and God's like, "Actually, yeah, great. Keep it up," you know, whatever however you're helping, you know. I think that's kind of, you know, It's kind of how I see it, you know,
1: finding and the other thing too is like, you can find joy in the monotony. You know what I mean? You can find joy in uh, like, so like you said, like you loved your job just being an Amazon delivery driver. And that was perfect for that time. And then that time was over. And God had something else for you to do. And it's like, there are, like you said, you don't have to be the president because dude, who the fuck wants to be the president? <laughs> that sounds shitty. Yeah, But like my purpose is like taking care of my wife, taking care of my kids, like keeping a fucking roof over our head. And uh, occasionally I, I say a sermon at church, you know, and I get to talk to people and it's a lot of fun. And uh, that to me I find joy in the little things in life. And I think that when you, when you find that, I think that you, you are doing your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can, you God will add a little bit more to your plate, you know, and yeah, there's something to that. Yeah. And that's the point,
0: you know, with gratitude and, and, you know, being, uh, altruistic for the sake of, of actually being altruistic. You know, I, I think that's, sort of like the elitist trick with philanthropy is like, oh, yeah, we've done so well, and now we're going to give it all back. And really, it's just like a, a scheme for them to save money on their taxes. You know, it's this sort of Luciferian type of thing. It's not uh, actual charity. And I think, you know, real charity uh, is experienced through, you know, this sort of connection right through helping people learn through sharing ideas and having people on your show the way you do to openly express themselves and talk about what they think you know this is a part of it you know it doesn't have to be a donation or something like that
1: mark i have a random question for you and i want to just get your opinion on it what are your opinions on ouija boards (laughs) <laughs> you fuck with that shit? No. You, would you fuck with it at all? Like, it's one of those things where it's like I try. Like the skeptical side of my brain goes, "It's just a piece of, it's just a fucking board. You're just moving around a piece of wood. There's nothing to it." And then the other side of me goes i'm gonna be talking to demons and i don't like it like the next documentary we're going to be doing is on the paranormal and we're we're out here in oregon and uh, near oregon city is like the end of the oregon trail and so there's like some pioneer uh, graveyards out here like some of the oldest graveyards and like at least on the west coast and uh like my partner's like all right let's bust out a ouija board and let's go to the fucking pioneer cemetery and i'm like I'll let you do it and I'll stand away <laughs> stand far away and record it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Should I, should I be terrified or, sh- or should I put my hand on the planchette? No, I don't
0: think you should be terrified. I think there are, yeah, there are ways that we can communicate with our ancestors. That's just like a technology to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I think it becomes, it becomes like un. Healthy when you go into it without an intention, without a positive intention. And, you know, I think if there are, you know, incorporeal spirits that are like formerly human beings and they're like stuck in another realm or something cause they weren't buried correctly and they didn't go on to the live like reincarnate or whatever. Yeah. They'd probably be a little mad and probably mess with humans. Cause we're so like silly that we think it's a board game. Like they want to just screw with us back. Like I think there's an element to it there, but I don't think like it, it's, it's dangerous I think people who walk into that with like the wrong intention could invite the wrong attention onto themselves, you know, which that could be dangerous. But if you, if you walk into like the Ouija board experience with the intention of like everything that I'm going to be doing is in alignment with God's will and nothing that is in not in alignment with God's will can harm me because I'm, I'm emanating that energy. I have a connection with God and And that's my intention in this, you know, I want to connect with an ancestor. I want to connect with this person that, that was buried here. You know, if that's really what you want to do, I don't, I mean, unless it was my family member, I probably wouldn't like care enough Mm -hmm. or like maybe somebody who is like historically relevant to something I was researching. But I think that's why, uh, those were invented, so to speak. Invented, it's just another form of divination uh, and possibly a way to communicate with ancestors. So maybe somebody had like buried something and passed away and it was valuable. And they're like, Oh, how can we communicate with Daryl? He's dead, you know. And they're like, Well, we we'll use this
1: wagey board and we'll get him, you know. <laughs> It definitely is a prejudice that I have that I maybe have to get over because, like, a spirit box doesn't fucking scare me as much. Like, having a little EMF reader, like, I'll run around at night and I'll look for some ghosts or whatever, but there's something about a Ouija board that freaks me out. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. As there's like
0: the matrix graphic going on behind me right now about to say like, yeah, I don't really like, I'm scared of like the spirit box in the sense that like technology, like anything that's connected to electricity or the internet, I don't know. I feel like that could be even more dangerous because you're now you're inviting like a possible, like, I don't know. Nefarious entities that are connected to like the grid and like all the stuff that the government and the military are doing. Cause you know, make no mistake, like there are invisible beings all around us, bro. Like that, I, I truly believe that, you know. And I think they, you know, they're not all necessarily demons and bad things, but I think the types that are bad and feed off of negativity attract themselves to. These like places like let's say a slaughterhouse or, or or maybe even like a military base or whatever, you know, maybe somewhere where they're doing like testing on insane asylum patients and things like that where there's like chaotic energy going on. They take energy, there's like beings that feed into that energy and they maybe even perpetuate it and that's kind of like where the Native American intelligence comes into play because yeah they had an understanding of like, no, don't go there. That land is haunted. There's a bad spirit that exists there. It will bring you misfortune. And then, you know, two hundred years later, the colonies come. they're like, Oh, look, this looks like a great place to set up shop. Uh, you know, and then next thing you know, it's like pet cemetery crap is going on,
1: you know <sighs> yeah, man there's a there's a spot like not too far from here, and it was at one time an orphanage. And then it was a, a, a Masonic old person's home. Mm. And so, and so it was just like for old Masons to like retire. Mm. It's fucking fascinating. That would be a crazy place to bust out a Ouija board. Mm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, no, for but sure. I want to do it. Cause I think it would be fucking neat. And it's kind of like, it's kind of exciting, but I also am fucking terrified. But like back what you said about like maybe technology, like I, I definitely feel you, man. Like, I definitely think that whatever these interdimensional beings are, like, uh, I've had this conversation a few times on this show. So people like my audience is going to hear this again, but that's fine. It's just like, I think that these I think this is the bees knees, man. I think that like wherever the fuck we are, I don't know if we're in a simulation. I don't know whatever, whatever fucking existence we're at right now. I think these spirits want to be here. And I think that they can't necessarily come here without inhabiting a vessel. Like, I think that's the whole thing. And so it's, it's one of those fascinating ideas that like, what, what is your brain? Your brain is almost like a computer. Right. And so it's like, it's a vessel that, that a spirit can inhabit for a while. And so I think that like, there's a real fucking chance that like AI or any of these fucking supercomputers are just like, what are we interacting with? I sometimes I really think that we might just be interacting with fucking interdimensional beings and things like that. And yeah, yeah. Just something that you said about like fucking with technology and having the electrical grid because what what the fuck is electricity? I don't know. I'm too retarded to explain that to you. Like
0: <laughs> I would recommend a book called The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. He talks a lot about how our world's changed since the electric grid's been put in place and how it's affected our health. And like I was saying earlier, if we all have diminished health, maybe our psychic abilities are all diminished. And that's why we're living in this world that's like devoid of this kind of thing, because we've all been entrained, A, to not pay attention to that side of the world and B, our Actual physical parts of us that help us experience that side of the world are are not healthy because our body is in like this survival mode of like, you know, malnourished and, and putting all its energy towards like just the main organs and the basic functions that we, we don't die and collapse, you know. But, you know, if you if you really take care of your health, uh, I sound like a hypocrite with this scratchy throat, but if you if you take care of your health. I believe that you can, you know, create a, a better relationship between you and God and and you and your consciousness, your whole world. Like all of these things affect you. You know the outcome of your reality. Like it, you know that whole saying of like clean up your room before you go tell somebody to fix their. You know what's that Jordan Peterson we were talking about <laughs> him earlier? Um, that that's true with the health thing because as soon as you you start really taking care of your health, you will experience those parts of your consciousness, meditative, you know, not that you're unhealthy. I'm talking to like anybody listening, like me personally, when I started like drinking only fluoride free water, I immediately noticed a a change in my health. And, and there was a couple other things that, followed and i still haven't figured out the best diet you know i think this is a tricky thing and it's different for everybody but uh but yeah i I, i'm very uh particular about that because i think you need to have a good foundation to you know grow as an individual mentally and spiritually
1: Absolutely, dude. I, and I mean, and that even goes back to the Bible saying that, like, your body is a vessel for God, and so that you should take care of that vessel. This is something special He gave you, and this is to enhance, like, you know, inhabit God. Right. And so, um, like we, like a vessel, like I said, and there was something like when I, how the fuck old was, I I think it was 29 years old and I was taking a lot of fucking mushrooms and eating a ton of fucking, uh, a ton of edibles, dude. Like I was doing some heavy doses. I was doing some heroic doses. And the thing about like edible marijuana, dude, to me, like you were saying with pot, like, it fucking, it, it. what's the best way of saying that? It makes you confront the shit that you are putting in your closet, right? The yeah. things that you like uh, are ignoring and you're just like, Hey, whatever. Like right. for me, it was like, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. I was like about 300 pounds and I'm 5'9", so 300 pounds. I was a big dude, hmm. you know. And I was, like, pre-diabetic, or I was diabetic at the time, and I was, like, just eating whatever the fuck I wanted, and I was drinking as much beer as I wanted, I was just being a fucking dumb asshole. And I had, it, you know, I had my son at the time, and he was probably, like, 12 at the time, and or 9, 10, 10 some, you know. Some, I had a young kid, and I'm, like, I took a fucking shit on edibles, and I was sitting there in the shower, and all of a sudden, like, That whole wall just came crashing down and it was like, hey, fat ass, you're dying. Don't you feel that? Don't you feel like shit right now? Yeah, that's you. You're killing yourself, you stupid, fat piece of shit. You know, And it was like, yeah, I do feel that. You're right. Wow. (laughs) So it was like. I fucking started like after that, it was significant enough where I was like, okay. I started like eating keto. I started like going to the fucking gym and started like working out, like going like 45 minutes on the elliptical machine twice a day and like just started like fucking knocking that shit out. I dropped like 70 pounds. I fucking started going to church more. And that's like once I started like 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 you said, cleaning up your room, uh, then I met my wife then like so many things fell into place like it was just this like I wasn't ready before you know what I mean I was like it was, it's one of those things it's like when you are going with God's will things start happening for you you'll start you'll notice like when you're getting uh resistance stop reassess why you know look at yourself why is like why is everything fucking going to shit right now? why is like everything just like crumbling in my life right now stop reassess go through your fucking baggage see what you need to keep and throw the rest away dude
0: that's powerful man i I commend you for being honest and sharing that and also accomplishing all that too i mean yeah that's that's super helpful for anyone listening i mean i had a few of those moments in my life like I look like all trim and whatnot, but uh, you know, my dental dental health was pretty bad for a while and I had to like really stop a lot of these like unhealthy habits I developed as a kid, totally change my diet and since I really like reversed a lot of the dental pain I felt for a while there and uh It was all, like, herbal supplements and, like, herbal treatments that helped me. It wasn't, like, going to the dentist (laughs) not to turn this into a whole... Just put more fluoride on your teeth. You'll mm, be fine. Dude. And that's the thing is, like, people would tell me, like, oh, you have... Bad teeth, what do you not use? Fluoride, Uh, you know, like you know, my grandparents they knew I was using the fluoride free toothpaste because I told them about it. They're like, That's why you have cavities, and I'm like, No, the reason I have cavities because there's a sugar in everything. You, you kid, you gave me cookies when I was a kid. Like, what the heck are you talking about? (laughs) You know, I think that's that's a big part of growing up in this. Societies, we take on a lot of trauma, you know, from our culture and from our our parents, and some of that is like this this like uh type of food that's like designed for a psychological purpose. It's not nutritional; it's like psychological. Like chocolate is a good example of a psychological food. Like, sure, now they tell you, oh, it's got antioxidants and whatnot in it, but I mean, it's a drug. It's a drug, just like any tobacco cigarette you know it's a drug <laughs>
1: and they were designed that way man yeah it's fascinating like the way that we eat wheat in this country mm. is like so fucking foreign our bodies don't know what the fuck to do with it because like you strip the brand you strip like all the fiber and you just get the endosperm like just the pure fucking starch and it, it's like has no nutritional value at all it's just pure carbohydrates and that's why everything you see like by law they have to enrich it So like like white bread, they have to fucking enrich it because you strip any type of like minerals, vitamins, anything from it. And so they force you to add some back to try to make it somewhat better for you. But it's like your body wasn't designed to have pure fucking starch and sugar like that. And it just it's like crack cocaine to your fucking body. It's like, holy shit, what the fuck? And then. I don't just need white bread. I need jelly on there too. So I got to put some fucking jelly on my white bread and, you know, and it's just, it's like, it's crap to your system, dude. And and then if you look at some of those things that were like designed by the food, like, like if you look at Kellogg, uh, Dr. Kellogg, like he knew that cornflakes were going to make you feel like shit. And they were going to make you feel weak, and like they were going to like make you feel groggy and shit. His, if you look into this, was really fucking fascinating. He designed fucking cornflakes so that little boys would stop masturbating.
0: Yeah, I've heard it's about so this. Yeah.
1: weird, man.
0: Yeah, they don't and, tell you the part about it making you sluggish and tired, though. I've heard that yeah. part, but they don't generally talk about the that because that's that. That was really the point was to make people like sluggish and. Uh, more able to be like office workers or factory workers and stay in one mm-hmm. place and you know push one button over and over again or pull one lever, you know.
1: Yeah, man, it's fucking fascinating. It, just the way this fucking place was set up. Uh, I just had this conversation actually with Richard Grove. We were talking a little bit, a little bit about Cecil Rhodes and how. Um, When he went to Africa, so he's originally from England, but he went to Africa and then he went down to South Africa to start doing diamond mining and things like that. So he was down there in South Africa and he was seeing all the natives there. They had like their own land. They had their own farms and they were self-sufficient and happy. Like they didn't want to work in his fucking, they didn't want to work in his minds, like backbreaking labor for all fucking days, seven days a week for almost nothing. And they were like, he's like, he's sitting there in his journals and he's writing about it. And you see him like brainstorming. He's like, they don't even want my money. Why? Like they don't, what the fuck do they, because like, what do they want money for? They're like, I've got my wife, I've got my kids, I've got my hut, I've got my land, I got, I grow my own fucking food, I'm self-sufficient, like, you can keep that money, and shove it up your ass. And so he's like, how the fuck do I get him to do this? And so he basically started – that's where taxing came from. He, or, I, you know, it was before that, but that's how he got them into the system was through taxation because he was like – all right, well, I'm going to start taxing them for basically existing. Then I'm going to tax them for their property. And then I'm going to seize their property. And so then they can't even grow their own food. And then for that, they had to then be part of that system. And so it's like, think about like your grandma, if she owns a house and like, let's say her dad built that fucking land, like built the property, built the house that she lives on, no matter what, she can't be just completely off grid, grow her own food, have her own things because you have to pay that property tax even if you own your house own your house outright you have to pay the property tax and so you're forced into the system where you have to do something to work to make money to then pay the fucking taxes and so that's what he did and so then he had all these willing oh, now they were willing because they were forced to to pay their taxes or else they were gonna like lose or get in, like imprisoned and so then he got them in there in his fucking mine, and then he had him working for him and then he just stacked cash and was a piece of shit. It's fucking fascinating, man. Just when you you learn how they turn us into for tax cattle, dude. It's and it's all debt based bullshit, right. right?
0: Yeah, it's it's designed that way. You know, it seems like a, a plan that they've had since like
1: Babylonia. You know, it's fucking genius, man. But like that's the thing is like in, the English perfected it. Mm. It's they're fucking brilliant right. and evil. <laughs> that's my that's my big theory. It's like almost every modern problem. It's like, you know, that six degrees from Kevin Bacon. You can blame it on the British Empire. Yeah.
0: No, for sure. I mean, New England is like, you know, it, for the most part, it was founded by people who – defected from the british empire and then some were loyalists but most for the most part they're like yeah screw them like so there's sort of like a rebellious nature that we new englanders have uh there's definitely the elites you know but for the most part i think most people who grew up in new england have this like mentality that would be uh, well suited for a you know maybe a sovereign society or some sort of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not anarchy, but, you know, agrarian, agrarian society. I think that's what we're kind of, already built for outside of like the city megalopolis you know like the people up in new hampshire and maine and vermont like those people they might as well be agrarians the way they live you know outside of the people that are in the few cities up there you know it's it's pretty agrarian already so yeah i think we're all kind of gonna get back to that at some point like the british empire's magic can only last so long you know they're all and they're all just trying to revive this society civilization magic that the sumerians and the babylonians were practicing right so that's that's all it's just a carry-on for that i mean the british they think they're israelis they they're like connect that's why they're so connected to israel because they they believe esoterically that they're part of the tribes of israel and they connect to jesus christ and so there's this whole idea of like well we're the chosen people and that's our holy land and you know, God's judgment will favor us so we can do whatever evil necessary, It, you know. And this isn't an idea that all Christians have. It's an idea that specific sects of Christianity have, you know, and this whole, like, apocalyptic revel book of revelations thing is kind of popular in america but it really like dispensationalism man well it's the fucking son of a bitch well it's it's very much a part of the fabric of the secret societies because they're all obsessed with rebuilding solomon's temple and and doing all these things that are just like pretty much proto uh, biblical
1: yeah, man, that's fascinating as fuck. I never even thought about that connection to it because like I grew up very dispensationalist, like Christian Zionist, you know, and that was what my mom fucking taught me. That's what she still teaches me. She like sends me stupid fucking videos on Facebook all the time trying to get me to watch it. Wow. <laughs> Just terrible. But it's it's this pseudo death cult, man. It's right. this fascinating thing that it's like the Jews have to like, they they basically have to be, like persecuted and they have to have the whole world turn against them and they have to rebuild the, the Solomon's temple for the third time. And then Jesus will come back and end the world and kill all the, the heathens like that. That's really what they believe it. And it's like, they're trying to make the end of the world come sooner. Right. That's what it's crazy death cult, man. And what I find so fucking fascinating is that we had uh, Mike Pence we had uh, – man, who was that – who was the other guy? Um, Mike Pence was a big dispensationalist. Um, uh, Pompeo was a big dispensationalist. Uh, the dude with the fucking terrible mustache. What's that piece of shit's name? You know I'm talking about. Um, oh, oh, he's the worst piece of shit. Big warmonger. Um, all of those dudes were um, – It'll come to me, but uh, all of those guys were Christian Zionists. And so it was so wild that those guys had the power. They were so fucking close. And then Donald Trump was a moron and he'd go and like, he was kissing the wall and wearing the yarmulke and just like (laughs) sucking BB's dick. And it it was so
0: wild, man. Some people think that he's sort of connected to the Jewish mafia uh, through his New York real estate. So that makes sense. I think he got to be to be that
1: successful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which isn't necessarily seen.
0: I, which I, I don't know if the Jewish mafia is necessarily Zionist, but uh, they probably have Zionist elements within their their criminal organization. I mean, criminal organizations are s- essentially secret societies with a sort of outward facing structure that just is I illegal. I guarantee you they're Zionists, man. I guarantee you they're Zionists. Well, oh new haven new uh (laughs) what's up new haven new heaven aka new heaven was basically created with that zionist mindset like the new haven uh original like downtown area was built in nine squares just like it says uh, in the bible about temple the temple of solomon and you know connects to all of these different biblical themes so they had this in mind when they were starting the colonies
1: That's so fucking neat, man. That's so fucking crazy.
0: Well, and then you compare that to like what happened in 9-11 and all the things that followed that and, uh, you know, our wars over in the Holy Land, like uh, Israel's wars against Palestine and all these other things that have gone on in the past 200 years uh, in that zone after the secret societies took over, uh, for the most part, church and state, right? So you have the church and state taken over by the secret societies. And now the, the, the globalism is this occultism veiled in like, uh, a progressivism, right? Uh, Well, this is what's, you know, inevitable. We're all going to become one world civilization because of the internet, no, it's garbage. This is this is a trick from occultists that have had this plan for a long time. They want to get everybody under one ruler, one king, and and then just incestually trade that position from one family to another, uh, only selecting from these so-called uh, descendants of Christ. And who knows how true that even is? I mean, you know, like these people say that they're elite because they're connected to the original people and all this stuff but it's like yo we're all human beings what the hell are you talking about (laughs) you know unless
1: they're not human beings right right (laughs)
0: that's what i mean what the hell are you talking about like and that's the whole thing with the again like back what we were saying before like they take history and they make it taboo to talk about but this whole idea of race and ethnicity and uh you know genotypes like it's all muddled and, and muddied on purpose so that we don't understand uh, maybe that there is a group of human beings that doesn't share the same uh, anatomy as us, and 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 is hiding amongst us. You know, I mean, that could be incredibly crazy if they found scientific evidence for that. We can't let people find
1: that. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's filed. And so it's even better that they own 23 and Me. They own Ancestry.com because, yeah, right. they can just hide that and just throw and it They can in the also blood. figure out yeah. who
0: who escaped their clutches, right? They could figure out, like, the, the people who have their bloodline that, you know, maybe strayed from the ancestral pack from a, 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 who knows how ba- way back, you know? Like, the whole idea of, like, red-haired giants and stuff, like, in the americas i'm a red-haired giant i'm 6 8 i got a red beard are so. you really fucking 6 8 <laughs> jesus yeah <fucking> Christ. <laughs> so i like holy crap I, I like to think that maybe there's some kind of uh dna connection there maybe i'm 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 a part of something but i don't think i'm superior to anybody just because i'm tall you know it's just but that's the that's the weird thing about like race and and these like historical connections and you have the giants that were here in Americas and giants in the ancient past in the old world and some giant humans like me.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's a fascinating topic. I've, I've had conversations recently that uh, just like what is Bigfoot and like was Bigfoot just one like a tribe of human that were a fucking giant? And like, do you have Bigfoot DNA, man? You might be a big old fucking fascinating, dude. <laughs> Could be. I don't. I wouldn't say I have Bigfoot DNA, but I might
0: have like uh, some kind of like red Scottish Irish Viking giant DNA. That's what I like to think of. Oh. I don't. I don't think I'm like a Neanderthal or something like that. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. Sasquatch. You've done a documentary, so I'm sure you've heard like every theory on Sasquatch. But from my perspective, like it seems like Sasquatch is like the most uh, intelligent animal if it is a real animal next to us you know if it's not like a mystical paranormal being and it truly is like a a species of some kind that's undiscovered then it's essentially probably like somewhere between a gorilla and a, a human you know like i don't think it's necessarily possible that a bigfoot could could cross its genetics with the human i think there was a time in the past where My. we have a common ancestor but i don't think you could like stray that far and then connect again you know it's like it's like a bobcat with a tiger like you could do a lion and a tiger you might be able to do a jaguar and a panther but you can't do a, a bobcat and a tiger and create like an actual you know they're they're just too far away from each other genetically they're both mm-hmm. cats but I think that's what it is with Sasquatch and humans. So I don't think
1: I have Sasquatch DNA, but uh, maybe a common ancestor. And whether or not that he is it, like a corporeal being that he's mm. flesh and blood, um, right. because, you know, there's so many sightings of Sasquatch that like coincide with UFOs and things right. like you've seen little UFOs at Skinwalker Ranch and things like that. And so I find that fascinating. Like that was actually the name of our uh of our documentary was a search for psychic Sasquatch because, uh, I, we've had so many people that we've talked to that he has like, like telekinesis, like basically a telepathic conversations with people just, and it's just interesting as fuck. But like another Avenue that I've kind of explored with some other people is just like, have you heard this? So the Russians were like, were like, uh, doing just some like genetic genetic playing around with some fucking shit. And so they had some, like, they had some foxes, right. And they were just seeing what would happen if they they found some foxes that were friendly, and these ones would come up, like lick your hand even, and almost act like dogs. And, and then there were some foxes that were kind of like skeptical of humans and kind of like shy and offish and were like, yeah, fuck you. And so they had like, I don't know, let's say they had 50 foxes and they split them. So like 25 were the nice ones, 25 are the assholes. And then they would just started breeding with them with each other like that. And so like, and if they had a nice one on this side, they'd put them over here. If they had a mean one over here, they'd throw them over here. And within like, dude it was like three generations the nice foxes their ears started to flop like this like the fucking dogs they started to act like a dog their face started to like shrink a little bit and like and vice versa these ones started like looking more like wolves and started to act more aggressive and more like yeah. it, it, and they totally fucking changed just based off of those characteristics and it, it was just this funny idea that like that that Bigfoot are just humans they're just the wild ones yeah they just were breeding with each other and they just like took on because I mean I like we supposedly share like 99 percent of our DNA with like chimpanzees and other great apes and things like that and so like like in our DNA turns off and on with like different you know circumstances and different things like that like I think you're on to something there man they could be like a tribe of Native Americans or
0: something you know like a very ancient tribe of uh native americans that were like yeah we're gonna do it this way and you know we're gonna kill things with our bare hands and then they just got stronger and stronger and stronger and next thing you know they're throwing rocks across valleys at like hikers with a gopro on their head
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i like that i like that concept you know and i never get you know too invested in any camp because i just have fun with it but that's a a fun one
0: have you talked to seb seb bland the guy who's had some uh astral projection experiences where he met bigfoot and spoke with a council of
1: bigfoots i have not that sounds awesome as fuck yeah i should definitely hook up with that guy
0: yeah, he's been on Tony Merkel's podcast. I had him on my podcast, uh episode 61, I think, or episode 60, one of those episodes. And that had to be back in the day. Yeah, man. it was a while. Uh, you know, no, I've been I've been going fast. I mean, 2020 is when we started. Where are you at now? I'm at 230. It'll be next week about, yeah, around nice. 230. So, yeah, I ramped it up about a year ago, and I've been doing, like, Similar to you, like three episodes a week and uh, bonus shows, too, that technically there's like 260 episodes, but like 50 of them are not. Technically, my family thinks I'm crazy shows. But yeah, it was about, you know, 230 by now. So (laughs) at least by when this comes out. Hell yeah, dude.
1: You're killing it, man. That's fucking dope. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I got to put you in touch with them.
1: Yeah, dude, I'd love to. That sounds like a fucking awesome conversation. I yeah. love that shit. Uh, let's talk. Uh, I know we're getting almost two hours here, so I'll let you go here pretty quick. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about like uh, like ghosts or some spooky shit down in Connecticut. Yeah, I've, have you had any paranormal experiences yourself? No,
0: it's funny. I I love all this stuff, but I I'm probably like, yeah, no, not really an experience or I never really had anything that was too out there, at least that I could remember. I mean, there could have been, but, um, no, just, you know, little things where you work yourself up and get scared and run away. Like when I was younger, you know, there's, there's definitely like a spooky reputation in new England and that, you know, when you're rebellious, your idea is to rebel against whatever is conform, what people are conforming to. So for a while, I didn't really even believe in any of that stuff besides Bigfoot. And like I was always when I was younger, I was so fascinated with animals that like Bigfoot and all that stuff. I believed in that because I'm like, well, of course, these stupid scientists—they haven't mit- found all the animals yet. Of course, there's other animals. You know, that was like the coolest thing to find out when I was a young kid. So now I'm I'm more of like a book book, <laughs> you know, guy. Like I, I learn all this stuff from books, and lately I've had a, a couple really awesome experiences, like synchronistically finding. Uh, interesting things but that's as mystical as it gets I I haven't had any like ghost encounters or paranormal encounters but yeah there's a reputation I mean Amityville horror that's like you know pretty close to where I'm from Uh, there's another like weird horror movie that takes place around here so it's definitely you know the reputation precedes itself the most fascinating thing that I learned about Connecticut and its role in that was the point about the alchemist, uh, governor. And he, you know, he didn't just like make those witch trials sort of come to an end in Connecticut. Uh, he was looking all over Connecticut for like gold and silver and doing like these magical divination techniques to find it. And he wrote about this like angry God that the native Americans, had uh, called Makamudas, and there's a town named after him called Makamudas and uh, it inspired an H.P. Lovecraft novel because there's just sort of a phenomena of sounds coming out of the ground, and the Native Americans said, well, there's a like a sort of necromancer-type god that lives down there who deals with the dead, and, you know, if you have something, like, you need from him, you can go to this spot and, like, Just give him an offering and he'll help you out. That was their idea with him. But, you know, the colonists come and they're like, oh, it's a devil. There's a devil under the ground here, you know? And everything in New England became like devil this, devil that. Like they have like certain areas, hiking spots and stuff, like that'll be called like devil's hop yard or devil's falls. And these are all typically places where the Native Americans were doing ceremony. There's no devil going on but because the colonists had that sort of propaganda uh, and superstition they named everything like that so i think there's that might be a little disappointing for what you're aiming for
1: but it's that's kind of part
0: of the interest here.
1: fascinating man yeah to me it's so funny the fucking christians dude like literally anything that isn't god is the devil and it's this fascinating thing dude and it's like if you actually look back at some of the verses in the bible like he talked about multiple gods hmm. like there was multiple gods it was different things like elohim is like well, even though the,
0: the word god the word devil it comes from the word deva which is just a word for like a deity a lesser deity right so in the hindu world uh-huh. right so It's kind of interesting, like maybe the colonists weren't so silly as we remember them now, because you got to keep in mind, a lot of our stories about that time period come from when they were rewriting history and and dumbing down the education system, right? So in actuality, I think the, the colonists were probably a lot smarter about these occult type things. And we're, you know, maybe naming them devil this and devil that because they wanted to like hint towards people like, yeah, that's a magical space that might not be safe. It's not that the devil lives there, but like it's sort of devilish, you know.
1: That's neat, man. Yeah, there's there's some things that I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to I think I'm going to try to look up my local Rosicrucians Mm. and try to sit down and have a conversation. We can get one on my show. yeah i i
0: would say try you know there's a bunch of uh if you go to a used bookstore that specializes in occult and metaphysical things there are so many rosicrucian books that you can buy that are written by rosicrucians for other rosicrucians that people just like you know they when they die they just they get like their dad's books and like what the hell is this crap and they just give it all to a used bookstore so there's plenty of like Rosicrucian knowledge that's available without necessarily having to go and become a part of their group. I have like six or seven books that are written uh, for just Rosicrucians. Like they're, they're meant to be within, the rosicrucian group like you're not supposed to share these with the non-believers or whatever you know so it's history right it's sort of a historical thing at this point i don't know how many uh active rosicrucian groups are actually doing anything influential other than maybe like practicing these consciousness consciousness expanding rituals you know yeah man that's fucking
1: neat yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out, and maybe I'll go peruse my local Masonic yeah. temple too, and yeah. yeah, have a chat with some some fat old dudes.
0: <laughs> I would <laughs> say try the bookstore first, but yeah, if you're feeling courageous, go go for it. Yeah, you'd be surprised what you could find in a bookstore, man. There's a lot of secret
1: information that gets put on a used bookstore shelf. Fuck yeah, brother, dude! This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again, and uh, uh let's do uh throw our uh, throw your plugs at my audience yeah thank you for
0: for having me here on your live stream shout out to all the live people listening i recognize a couple of those names you floated up here the, all people that i've seen on my instagram shout out to the people uh i'm gonna do a youtube live stream every month with Juan and Chris uh, for Illuminati confirm. We do two a month. So just stay tuned for that. We're going to do another one soon for November. Uh, I don't know. I think the first week of November, but yeah, my family thinks Where is it right here? Up above my head. Uh, that's where you can find all the information about the podcast. You can find links there to whichever app you prefer to listen to the podcast on, or you could just copy paste the feed into your app of choice. And, uh, you know, all of the other stuff's there, merch, social media. So just go to MyFamilyThinkSomeCrazy.com. And, uh, yeah, Nate, for, for everyone listening uh, on my feed, because this will be a Swapcast, why don't you tell them about your show? And I want to thank you, brother, because, you know, a lot of podcasts join Alt Media United, but not a lot of podcasts go out of their way the way you have to promote Alt Media United. So I just really want to thank you and say, dude, you're a hell of a guy. You're working really hard. You got a yeah, hell of a, a background and a very interesting, you know, motivation for doing this. That's compelling and inspirational, and it's cool to see like you've picked up like the the ethos that I had designed with Alt Media United, and you're emblazoning it right there on the live stream. I see it on your Instagram post. You're always tagging us, so I just want to thank you, brother, because clearly you 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 share. Uh, my values and and you know i think that's what we all need to do is connect and build this community of of sovereign independent open-minded thinkers and help others get to that same level you know of sovereignty
1: thanks man i yeah i really appreciate that i really appreciate what you're doing with alt media united dude it's fucking it's badass dude thank you so yeah man you're killing it um yeah. You can listen to our show. Yeah. We're putting out about three episodes a week. Uh, we're also on Rockfin, So you can go and watch all of our videos there. There's only a few premium stuff there. Uh, but there are some cool shit on there. So check us out over there. And we just put out our first documentary of what we plan on to be many on uh, Sasquatch. It's called search for psychic Sasquatch. It's also on a Rockfin, So you can go and check it out there. And I think it's for free out there. So just go and check it out. And, um, Yeah, man. Uh, I love having conversations with interesting people. We just like to explore ideas. Uh, Sometimes we're talking about like crazy politics, you know, and sometimes we're talking about fucking Sasquatch being a psychic. And other times we're talking about, you know, some crazy spiritual stuff. And, and yeah, we just love to have conversations with people. So uh, come check us out. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Well, awesome. swabcast. Thanks for having me uh, on reality Zars. Thanks for joining me on this show my family thinks i'm crazy and uh yeah
1: and happy halloween everybody (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) spooky halloween episode (laughs) right on well thanks nate appreciate it brother. brother
2: right on Little extra terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. Hobby saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. In like a hundred years, we went saw Bomber free guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Standy Mines was murked for a while, a fuel cell car. They each stay on, you could stick with your own ways. But eat the rich you drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, you American made. Fuck it. Keep your blood so territous and run the soul off the moon narrative. Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing. My folks think I'm nuts, but never question the parenting. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. come morning in the net, feeling like I'm dead Tracy. My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged, baby. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an A it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. I'm awesome. Think that I'm off in the deep end Want too many Netflix docs on the weekends But check the budget for our military defense Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason Steel beams, another 1492 And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue And you be lit off the floor, I ain't got a clue All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack Talking like this, got Ken talking behind backs Too much to unpack, so they talk smack And I'm just trying to converse with my clan But it ain't fan. so I'm here setting up Ken Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy i morning in the internet feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an in It wouldn't faze me my family thinks I'm crazy Baby, baby, baby My family thinks I'm crazy Maybe, maybe, maybe Just maybe Stuck in bed, so my me boss me, thinks baby. I'm lazy And if it dies, it's all something hazy Come on again feeling baby, like I'm Dick Tracy My Pat thinks I'm on the marriage and it's shady Maybe, I'm feeling, feeling unengaged uh, counters are the same kind on so You can tell me now president president's maybe, an atheist. Maybe, it would me maybe, My family maybe. thinks maybe. I'm crazy Yeah, I think one thing I've learned is You can't roll anything out So, you know, maybe I...